Our scripture reading this morning is found in the epistle to the uh, Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. We'll read chapter 1, the entire chapter, in connection with Lord's Day 25. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain." But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. 
Yet what I shall choose I wot not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. That far we read in God's inspired word, may he bless that word and the reading of it to our hearts. I'm going to refer in the sermon, uh, in particular to verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. We're talking about means of grace. In Lord's Day 25, questions and answers 65 through 68. Summarizing the truth of scripture regarding the means of grace, we'll read those questions and answers. Since then, we are made partakers of Christ and all his benefits by faith only. Whence doth this faith proceed? Where does it come from? Is the question. From the Holy Ghost who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. What are sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals appointed of God for this end, that by the use thereof, he may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, namely that he grants us freely the remission of sin and eternal life for the sake of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both word and sacraments then ordained and appointed for this end? that they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. For the Holy Ghost teaches us in the gospel 
and assures us by the sacraments that the whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ which he offered for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the New Covenant or Testament? Two, namely Holy Baptism and the Holy Supper. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, do you want to grow in your faith? And do I want to grow in my faith? To be sure, the Holy Spirit is the giver of faith. And this Lord's Day makes that abundantly clear. But it is also true that the Holy Spirit uses means. And so we speak of the means of grace. That applies in our daily lives as well. When we pray to God, to give us daily bread. We are acknowledging God is the one who gives us everything we need for our bodies as well as our souls. But praying for daily bread, we yet recognize God uses means to supply that daily bread. He uses our daily labor, generally speaking. So too, God is the one who gives us health and strength. God is the one who heals sickness. But he also uses means. God uses means as he is pleased, often using doctors and medicine to give us health and strength. When it comes to the means of grace, that's what we are speaking about today, there are two ditches that we need to be aware that we do not fall into either of them. There's the danger on the one hand that we stress the means so much that we forget even to pray. We forget about God. We simply set ourselves to the means and we forget God is the one who must bless those means. That's one ditch. The other ditch is so to stress that it is God's work and it certainly is God's work that we say to ourselves, it's all God's work. And then we become passive. And we don't use the means 
that God himself provides us. Lord's Day 25 is about the means of grace. The means, when we speak of means of grace, they are not means that we have to set ourselves to use and then we go and get grace for ourselves, but rather the means of grace are the means that God uses to give grace to us, his people. And since there are means that the Holy Spirit uses, means to work faith in us and means to strengthen our faith, then we are called to use those means diligently to frequent the house of God, coming as often as we are able because these are the means that God uses to cause us to grow using the sacraments because these are the means that God uses in our lives so that we would grow spiritually. Philippians, the passage that we read, is one of those many passages of scripture that teaches faith is a gift of God. Philippians 1 verse 29, among other things, says this, For unto you it is given to believe. There are some to whom it is not given to believe. Many who hear the gospel preached. Many who even use the sacraments and yet do not believe. Why not? Because to them it was not given. Why did God give us to believe? Why did God grant that to us, that we would believe the gospel and believe in Jesus Christ? Well, certainly not for anything in ourselves, but out of his mere grace, purely of grace, that you and I believe. Only grace can explain Faith that is worked and faith that is confirmed. So I want to speak of the means of grace then under that theme this morning. Faith worked and confirmed. In the first place I want to note the grace that is absolutely necessary for faith to be worked and confirmed. Secondly, the means that God uses to give us faith and to strengthen our faith, and lastly, the significance for us. That ought to be very clear to us, beloved, that we ourselves cannot produce faith 
We cannot produce faith in our hearts simply by studying scripture or any other means, listening to the preaching. We cannot produce faith in our hearts. It is true that we manifest faith, a faith that actively believes. We are not puppets. God saves us as rational, moral creatures. And so it is proper to say, I believe. But for all that, we were not the ones that produced that faith. The question is not whether we believe. The question is, where does that faith come from? And to that question, we must give a firm, firm answer. Not from ourselves. It is not something that we can obtain by paying any price, by any amount of labor, nor can we get it merely by hearing the preaching. If that were the case, we could bring somebody into the church, force them to hear the preaching, and if they sat under that preaching long enough, they would be converted, but that's not the case. And we know that from personal experience as well. There are those who grow up in Christian homes, who hear the preaching who go through catechism. They might even learn the catechism word for word. They grow up in their families, having family devotions, discussing God's word. And for all that, They leave the church and manifest the fact that they never had faith. They've heard of their misery in Adam. They've heard of the only deliverance in Jesus Christ. They've heard about the torments of hell that we deserved and that Christ suffered in the place of his people. But they do not believe. And that's because by nature, we are rebels against God. By nature, our rebellion will steer us away from the truth of the gospel, away from Jesus Christ. By nature, the gospel will seem to us like so much nonsense. And we will not submit ourselves to the truth of God's word as we are by nature. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, very significant passage that speaks of the natural man. 
It says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man of which the apostle speaks there is the man apart from grace. The natural man is utterly of this world. And faith cannot arise by itself. We ourselves cannot produce faith. So where does it come from? The catechism is very clear in its answer when it asks the question, whence then doth this faith proceed? Where does this faith come from? And the answer is from the Holy Ghost, who works faith in our hearts and who strengthens that faith. Faith is a gift of God. That's what Philippians 1 verse 29 said. For to you it is given. We didn't give ourselves that faith. God gave to us that faith. Simply by grace. And then when we see that faith is a gift of God earned for us by Jesus Christ, given to us by the Spirit of Christ, then all glory goes to Christ. That's the point of the apostle in Philippians 1 verse 29, when he says, to you it is given in the behalf of Christ to believe. It is given for the sake of Christ. He earned it for us and he deserves all the glory for the faith that you and I have. We must never in pride look at others for their lack of faith and pat ourselves thinking, but I understood those things and they didn't understand it. Because it is given to us, not to give glory to ourselves, but for the sake of Christ, that he would receive the glory that is due. The spirit of Christ is absolutely necessary for you to have faith and for me to have faith. It's absolutely necessary if you and I are going to come to a true knowledge of Jesus Christ as he is revealed in the gospel. And while that is true, 
We hold that firmly. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. We also have to be careful that we don't take this truth now and set it over against the truth that the Holy Spirit uses means. We must not take the truth that the Holy Spirit gives faith and take that to such an extreme that now we deny the Holy Scriptures that the Holy Spirit inspired. There have been those in the church world who have so emphasized the work of the Holy Spirit that they said, we don't need the preaching of the scriptures. We don't need the scriptures. The Holy Spirit will give me the truth. How does he do that? Well, he simply reveals it. Those people in the past were called enthusiasts. And they stressed the notion of an inner light that the Spirit simply worked in their hearts that made it unnecessary to study the Bible, that made it unnecessary even to hear the preaching. You see how undue stress only on the truth that the Spirit gives faith and forgetting that he uses means. That's dangerous. The catechism is teaching that the Holy Spirit gives faith, but he uses means, the means of grace. What are those means? Well, question and answer 64, or rather 65 says, Since then we are made partakers of Christ and all his benefits by faith only. Whence doth this faith proceed? We already dealt with the truth that it is from the Holy Spirit. But notice it doesn't stop there. The catechism doesn't say, where do we get this faith? From the Holy Spirit, period. But it goes on to say, from the Holy Ghost, who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. The Holy Spirit especially uses these two means. There are other minor means that we could speak of, but the catechism is concerned with these two means. The first the preaching of the gospel is the primary means that God uses 
That's the most important means, but he also uses the sacraments. He uses the preaching to give us faith, to work faith in us, and he uses the sacraments to strengthen us in our faith. But the most important is the preaching. And although our children may have the seed of faith at a very young age, God stirs it up and he kindles that faith into an active and living faith by means of the preaching. That's why we bring our children into the church, into the sanctuary to hear the preaching. And scripture is very clear as well. It's not that we're somehow trying to smuggle uh, some creaturely means into it and take away glory from God. This is God's teaching. And it gives glory to God that he would use these means. Scripture is very clear. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 verse 14 How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? God the Spirit in this inspired portion of his word is setting out the truth that he himself uses means. Verse 17 of that same chapter, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In order for you and me to believe, we must hear the word of God. How do we hear the word of God? According to Romans, we hear it in the preaching. Now we acknowledge, of course, God is absolutely sovereign. And if he wanted to, he could simply, one night when we were sleeping, while we were sleeping, put faith in our hearts so that we would wake up and we would believe everything that we needed to believe. God could do that. But that's not the way in his wisdom that he has chosen to work. God, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to use means. That, when I think about it, amazes me. And it ought to amaze you too. That God would use the means of a weak creature, a preacher who is but a mere human being who struggles with sins just as everyone else does, that God would use 
a creature to bring the gospel of grace to his people. And that he would use that and use those humble means to work faith in our hearts. That ought to amaze us. How does Psalter 15 put it? Weakest means thy will. Uh, weakest means fulfill thy will. It pleases God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The reason anyone, the reason you and the reason I would ever come to faith is only because God gives it. But he does it through the preaching. That's what scripture declares. That's what the catechism expresses as well. From the Holy Ghost who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel. And then he confirms it. He strengthens it through the use of the sacraments. He strengthens it also through the preaching. But he strengthens it through the sacraments as well. By the preaching, God presents to our ears the truth of the gospel and by his grace he causes that truth to go down into our hearts and find a place in our hearts so the gospel comes to our ears but the sacraments are for our senses we see the sacraments and when we are baptized we feel the water sprinkled on us. And when we partake of the Lord's Supper, not only do we see the elements, we taste them and swallow them. Of course, the elements are not anything in themselves. There's not grace bound up in a piece of bread so that automatically anybody who eats that bread now has some grace imparted to them or someone who drinks a little wine now has grace imparted to them. There's nothing in the elements themselves that is gracious. But when we are reminded through those elements that those elements point to Jesus Christ. So along with the preaching, when we hear those elements explained, we are brought to the gospel. That's what the signs in the sacraments do. They point to a truth greater than themselves. The signs in the sacraments point to Jesus Christ. The sign of baptism, as water is sprinkled on an infant, we are reminded of the blood of Christ that washes us of our sins. 
but we are reminded of that with the words that explain the sacraments to us. When it does that, when a sacrament reminds us of the truth, it also assures us of the truth. So that when we partake of the sacraments, we think to ourselves, as certainly as I am eating this piece of bread, or as certainly as I am partaking of this cup of wine, that's how certainly God works inward grace in my heart. So sacraments are signs, they point us to the truth, and they are seals that strengthen us in the truth, that assure us of the truth. So just like the preaching, what do the sacraments do? They teach us that all of our salvation is in Jesus Christ. That all of our salvation depends upon the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross. That's what the preaching ought to declare and that's what the sacraments declare to us as well. What's the significance of that? That the Spirit works faith through the preaching and that he strengthens it through the sacraments? Why is that significant? Why should we know that? So that you and I do not despise the means of grace. Don't despise the means that God himself has ordained to work faith and to strengthen our faith. It's possible to despise the means of grace. We say salvation is God's work. I don't need to go to church. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'll grow in my faith on my own. I don't need to to hear the preaching twice on the Lord's Day. It's possible for us to despise the means of grace or only to partake of the means of grace to a minimum as long as the elders don't knock on my door. That's enough means of grace. I don't need I don't need to go twice. We can despise the means of grace or young people maybe who have come to faith and who say, well, I really don't need the Lord's Supper. But God says, the Lord's Supper is for our strengthening. That's a means of grace. It's possible for us to despise the means of grace. So we ought to pray that we not despise the means, but rather that we rejoice in the means that God gives to us. Pray that God would work in our hearts 
so that coming to church is not a burden to us, but that we rejoice to come in God's presence and to hear his word, knowing that he uses that word to strengthen our faith. It's amazing that the apostle in this passage that we read in Philippians saw that God used the means of grace even when that was brought in a wrong way. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And what's so amazing is that the apostle ends up concluding that Christ is still preached, and he rejoices in that. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. He understood that God uses the means. Well, that means, beloved, for us, if we understand that God uses the means then we ought to make use of them ourselves. Psalm 81 verse 10 has a wonderful passage that shows how we ought to view the means. Psalm 81 verse 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And the picture that I get in my mind when I think of that, open thy mouth wide, is the picture of a robin coming to her nest, to her little chicks, and all those chicks with their mouths wide open, ready to be fed by their mother. And we ought to open our mouths wide to hear the word, to be fed by the word of God. And one way to do that is to value the preaching. Though it comes from a mere human being, God uses the preaching. And don't seek after gimmicks. How many churches will use gimmicks because the preaching is so... Boring is how they say it. If they would be excited about the message, they might not find it so boring. So they introduce a praise band or some other gimmick to draw the younger generations into the church, and then they starve, and they wonder why. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But if we value the preaching, beloved, that also implies that we prepare ourselves to hear it. 
to set aside all the distractions, how easy it is to be distracted, to think of what's coming in the week that is ahead or what has happened in the past, all kinds of distractions. Well, some find it helpful. This is not a law, of course. Some find it helpful to take notes so that as they are taking notes, they are less easily distracted. Or they maybe ask questions while they're hearing the preaching and make applications and see how that word applies to themselves personally. Some even go to the extent of repeating in their minds the very same words because otherwise distractions so easily come in. Prepare ourselves to hear the word because God uses the means. If we come into church and fall asleep in the back bench, is God going to use the means of the preaching to grow the faith of that person? So if we come to church well-rested so that we can pay attention. It takes a lot of work. A lot of work, mental work, to hear the preaching. That's probably why we are so tired on Sundays. It takes work. Preaching is not just an automatic grace. Just like showing up at the table for dinner doesn't automatically feed someone, but they have to give some effort to partake of that themselves. Do we value the preaching? And do we value the sacraments? Not that the sacraments are automatic grace either. Not that everyone who is sprinkled with Water receives grace from God. But rather, God wants us to look upon the sacraments, those visible signs, and to see in them the gospel. And then as we see the gospel in them, he wants us to rejoice uh, rejoice in those signs and seals. Rejoice with eyes of faith. That's why God commands us to use the sacraments. That's why God commands us to give to our infants the sign of the covenant of grace because he wants us to see in those sacraments the gospel being displayed. He is the one who washes away our sins. And then he wants us to use God commands us to use, Jesus himself uses that command, this do in remembrance of me. There's a command. He commands us to because in the use of the sacraments, God strengthens our faith. Every time by faith we use the sacraments, God strengthens us. Our faith 
is kindled and our faith grows according to God's grace. And of course, beloved, that growth doesn't come all at once. From one week to the next week, we may not, probably do not perceive the growth in our faith. From one year to the next, we may not perceive growth in our faith. But he grows, God grows our faith through the sacraments, through the preaching. So that we trust in him more and more. Philippians 1 verse 6, as we partake of the means of grace, this is what God works in us. Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. May God bless the means of grace to our hearts today and every Lord's Day and every time we hear the preaching and you make use of the sacraments. May God bless the means to the glory of his name. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee that thou art the God who saves us from beginning to end. We thank thee that thou dost also give these means, the preaching and the sacraments, whereby thou dost work faith and cause our faith to grow. Bless, O Lord, the means of grace to us. May we not despise the means, but may we use them even for thy name's sake. Forgive us where we have fallen short. Lead and guide us by thy spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.